0: Good night, Winchester. I'm your host, Lance Gunner Wines, and this is another humble episode of Late Nights with Lance, Winchester's favorite and only late night talk show. And I'll start off by apologizing. Right, it's been a it's been a while since I've been on the air, uh, since I've released any new content. So I apologize for that. Life has been hectic, to say the least. Um, very exciting, right? Very exciting, and in a good and bad way, obviously. Um, And I'm working on some content right now. I'm putting together uh, an episode to sort of discuss what's been going on in my life throughout November and December. I don't really know where I left off with my last episode. I can't think of any specific date or time or period where I left off. But the episode I'm working on now is mostly, you know, second half of November into Thanksgiving and then obviously in December up to this point. And that episode is turning into more of like a saga, like a two or three part saga. And, you know, I I start off talking about, you know, why I've sort of been absent. I talk about I've reintroduced myself and my channel, uh, my podcast to the audience. And then I I sort of get into or I try to get into my trip to Pittsburgh with Hunter and his family, the Cutlips. Um, But unfortunately, there's lots of uh, world building to do. Right. It's sort of I had to introduce uh, Hunter introduce, you know, our story, how we met, introduce him uh, and then get into, you know, the leading, the rising action into actually getting to Clarksburg, getting to Pittsburgh, getting to the game. Right. And then I also want to talk about in those episodes, not just my trip to Pittsburgh, not just Thanksgiving, um, but I also am, am intend to discuss um, Ivy. Right. And I have no fear and I have no shame using her name anymore um, because it's my story to tell. And I want to talk about, you know, what happened with her and her boyfriend and then her best friend, uh, Katie and Katie's husband coming into the store while I was working. Right. So they all came as a group into the ABC store when I was on the clock, when I was, I was working, you know, when I would have serviced them and seeing Ivy and seeing her boyfriend and their decision to come to the store, um, while I was working and to stay and how that affected me. Right. And and the things that that brought to light, the things that that shed light on the thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And that's obviously going to be a major part of the podcast. Right. I could talk about that for the rest of my life. Uh, and that traumatic, that uh, traumatic experience, um, traumatic and dramatic, I guess it's sort of both. And so that's the content that I'm working on. Right. And I have that recorded. I've also recorded lots of other, I don't want to call them episodes, but lots of other segments uh, that I ended up getting rid of just because I didn't think that they were uh, worthy of being on the air. But this episode of Late Nights with Lance is about today. And it is the waning moments of Friday, December 17th. It is uh, 11.58 p.m. So it's almost midnight. It's almost December 18th. So that's pretty cool. Uh, So Friday the 17th. And I, it was a pretty, on paper, it was a pretty normal day, right? And that's how most days go. But for me, even on paper being a normal day, they never play out that way. Anyone who knows me knows that I never have, my normal day is above average to most people. And so I just want to talk about that, right? So I get up, I eat breakfast, uh, I eat, eat with, with Bob, and then I you know, get ready for work. I go into work. My shift today was 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., Uh, which we expect to be busy, obviously, for the holiday season, for Christmas, for all that stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the daily, you know, uh, minute tasks of working at the ABC store, but I will talk about one thing in particular that happened today that elevated it from an average day to an above average day. And so I'm just going to jump into that, right? And so um, I'm just going to preface this with, This uh, story, I guess. And this was a week or so ago, maybe two weeks at this point. So a week or two weeks ago, I'm running register, right? I'm on the register. I'm I'm point of sale. And I'm on Roger's side for anyone who's familiar with the Virginia ABC. And Roger, I mentioned him in my Instagram posts and in my Instagram stories. Um, He's in, I don't want to call him elderly, but he's an older gay black man who is basically like a celebrity uh, in Winchester. He's sort of like the Mr. Rogers of Winchester. And I've been like, it's funny that obviously he has my dad's name. um, So I lost one Roger and gained another. But Roger is sort of like, the only way I can describe him to people that don't know him and who will never meet him is, you know those stories where people say that they've met Jesus like on a park bench or in like a, a soup kitchen line, or like walking on the beach in the early morning, and people are like, they meet a stranger, and then that stranger turns out to be Jesus. That's Roger, right? Like, they're, they're serious. You know, I have issues with faith and with religion and with, you know, my own um, devotion but if there was ever a human being who was the physical, literal incarnate of Jesus and what Jesus stands for, it's Roger. And there's a serious question in my mind as to whether it is is Jesus, right? Like Jesus in disguise. And he really reminds me of like all of those people of New York posts where it's like they pick a random stranger on the street and they like get their whole story, their whole biography. That's like Roger. And so I was on Roger's side. He wasn't there. I like working on that register. Uh, it's the one that I make those goofy signs for. And a gentleman comes up to pay, and I, I he probably gets like a, you know, either like a cheap like $12 fifth of Canadian whiskey or like a $12 fifth of um, some cheap vodka, right? Like I feel like it was probably vodka because he was in the vodka line today. But, you know, like he gets like a random like fifth or or, you know, I don't even know leader or whatever, of some cheap vodka, and he puts it on the counter, and I say, you know, how are you doing to say, I you have like a, a script basically that I've mastered, in my customer service voice. You say, how are you doing today, sir? Will that be all for you? And yeah, all right. Uh, you know, you scan it. Will that be cash or card today? Would you like a bag? Would you like a receipt? Whatever. So I scan it, I ring it up, and as he's getting his money out, right, he's paying with cash. Um, I'm pretty sure on that day he paid with cash. He was like, "Hey, you know, he would picked up the snow globe. There's this little, maybe three three inch tall snow globe, um, on the counter, and he picked it up and started shaking it and was looking at it. Right? He's like, "Man, I'm I've been having trouble finding these," and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I don't really know how they got here, right? And I I assume that Roger." had bought them there was like i think two or three maybe in the store around the cash registers um that someone had brought in i guess for the holiday season right just cheap like you know little snow globes you get at the dollar store right like at the dollar tree um like like i said three inches tall um maybe like an l for like a santa claus or like something inside and then obviously i mean you guys know what a snow globe is and he's like yeah i've been having trouble finding these and i was like yeah you know they just showed up one day like i I don't really know. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I, you know, I've been trying to, um, you know, find one for my daughter to give her for the holiday season because she wants a snow globe. Like she wants to, I don't know, collect snow globes or she likes snow globes, but she wants a snow globe and she doesn't have one. And I've been trying to find one for her. And I said, well, you know, just take it. Right. Like, you know, there's no skin off my back. It's not an ABC product, right? It's not, it's not an alcoholic product. It's not something with, um, I don't even know what they call it, like UPC code or whatever. It doesn't have a barcode. Like, bro, it's just this little um, snow globe that someone left on the counter here. One of my coworkers left on the counter here for decoration for the holiday season. And I'm not really in the holiday spirit, obviously. And I was like, just take it. Like, it's no skin. All- like, if it were me, if it were my store, like, really, bro, just take whatever the fuck you want. Right. Money means nothing to me. Right. And I'll talk about that later as well. But money means absolutely nothing to me. And so I was like, just take it. He's like, are you sure? And he kept asking like, are you sure? Like, is that all right? Like, is it okay? Like, you know, will you get in trouble? And I'm like, listen, if you ask me another time, I'm going to say no. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, stop asking me. Uh, you know, like, just, just take it. Like, yes, you can have it. There's no repercussions. There's no catch. There's no, you know what I mean? It's not like a trick. It's not like some sort of conniving, you know, whatever. Just, just have the snow globe. Like, you want it. You want it to give to your daughter? That's a worthy, noble cause there. Just take it. You can have it. He picked it up. He said, you you don't know how much this means to me, and you don't know how much this will mean to her. And I gave him his bottle and the bag with a receipt, and he left. That was it, right? Okay, cool. Like, I gave this guy a snow globe, Probably was, like I said, a dollar with tax, a dollar and five cents. Um, and that was the that was the end of the story. Right. The end. Talk to you guys later. No. Today. OK, at this point, like I've worked at the ABC store for a while now. I recognize a lot of the customers. I most of the time I could pick out their items off the shelf for them. You know, they're regulars. Right. Which. For some people, oh, it's regulars like, oh, it's people you recognize there. And occasionally I just happen to be working. For some people, there are regulars that come in every day once, maybe twice, sometimes maybe even three times a day. And they're regulars and you know what they're gonna get and you know what that means, right? But this gentleman I wouldn't say is one of those, right? He's a regular, but he's not a regular where it is is something that I'm sad about. Right. There are there are customers that and they're just customers, right? It's a service job. It's literally customer service retail. I'm just selling a product to people. I just happen to work for the state. Like I happen to work for the government and I happen to sell something that's poison, but it got, it has gotten to a point with, because of who I am, I see these things and I take it to heart and some of it is upsetting. And I, it's also upsetting because of what I've been through. Um, obviously with, I, in my own life, right. With the people in my life that have done or dealt with addiction that have suffered from addiction, that have lost their lives to addiction, such as my cousin, Jennifer, who was only, you know, 29, 30 years old. And then my own father, obviously. Uh, but also dealing, you know, with Ivy's life and dealing with Ivy's mother, which arguably hurt more. Um, but this isn't one of those stories. This, so this gentleman, you know, came in, I recognized him because he's a regular. Um, I couldn't tell you what he was going to get. Cause I can't remember off the top of my head what he got. Um, which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing where I can recognize them, but not their order. And he comes in with what, who I assume is his daughter, right? I, either that, or there's some weird, there's some weird shit going on. But I assume it's his daughter, right? Obviously, she's uh, so he's probably in his late forties, maybe in his fifties, certainly not sixty. Um, and his daughter is probably between the ages of like ten and thirteen. Just I'm terrible at aging. I'm terrible at aging anyone, but especially kids, right? Like, I don't know. People are like, oh, my kid's two years old. And I'm like, cool. Do they know math? Or they're like, oh, my kid is walking. And I'm like, oh, cool. They're five years old. I I don't understand. It's not that I can't age kids, which just sounds weird. I don't understand development, right? I don't understand the cognitive development of adolescence. So you could be like, oh, my kid can speak. My kid can use the, they're potty trained or they can do whatever they can ride a bike. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I could tell that this kid was like between 10 and 13. Cause I remember what I looked like when I was 10 between 10 and 13. Um, and they went to the, you know, the vodka aisle, which I was on Lance's side, right? There's Roger's side and then there's Lance's side. And I was on Lance's side today. And so I'm on the vodka side. And they go, and they walk by. They go to the vodka side, and I recognize, obviously, the guy. say, hello, you know, how you doing, sir? How you doing today? And um, he picks out his bottle. They look around for a little bit. He picks out his bottle, and he comes back to my register. And real nice guy, real sweet guy. You can tell blue collar, you know, he's definitely got calloused hands. uh, Wears, you know, like Carhartt, Dickies, you know, Wrangler, Levi, Lee Jeans. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this guy is like the epitome of blue collar hard working. And um he hands me his bottle. I say, will this be all for you today? He says, yeah. I scan it. Would you like a bag? Would you like a receipt? Yada yada yada. You know, whatever. And then he gets I hand him the bottle, right? On <laughs> over the counter underneath the shield that we have in place, the COVID shield. We do have to wear masks, right? Like our job, because we work for the state, we have to be vaccinated and boosted, and wear masks, and have a plexiglass shield. So, hardly any, if any, COVID exposure at all in this job. But I hand him the bottle over the counter, beneath the shield, up and away we go, and he steps aside. And his daughter steps up to the counter. And obviously she's not buying anything, because she's fucking, you know, 11 years old. But his daughter steps up to the counter... And she says hello, and I say hello, and and she says, you know, you, you don't you don't know me, but you gave me or or you gave my father a snow globe that he gave to me, and so you gave me a snow globe um, last week, and I just wanted to tell you thank you and and how much I appreciated that and how much that meant to me. And she said Merry Christmas. And um I said, I I remember, you know, I remember this happening, I remember everything, right? That's my that's my curse in life is that I remember everything. Not only do I remember the event or the thing, I don't just remember the the stimulus or the stimuli, I remember the response to the stimuli. And I said, I remember. And she said, I just you know, again, I, I just wanted to come and and I wanted my dad to bring me here so I could thank you, in person, and tell you how much that meant to me. And then I said, "Well, you're very welcome." And she said, "Have a nice day." And and he was, he was smiling. It looked like you know he was like holding back tears, right? Like you could see the the water like welling in his eyes, right? You know what I mean? Um, like the smile, the 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 toothless smile, um, and the the water welling in his eyes. And he said, have a great day. Merry Christmas. And she turned and walked away and said, Merry Christmas. And, um, you know, no one was was at my register. Roger was busy servicing customers, I assume, or doing something. Wanda, which is one of the managers, uh, she was in the back, you know, pulling stock. Scott was was there, but he was in the back. at the, He's the general manager. He was at the desk on the computer. Uh, I think Mary had left. So there's video evidence of this, right? Like, I can pull the security camera um, if anyone doesn't believe me for some reason. But this isn't really something I would lie about or make up, right? And um, I sat there for a second. And I, I wanted to text someone. I wanted to tell someone. I wanted to make, like, an Instagram story. But I couldn't, right, because I'm at work. And I didn't really know who to talk to about it because it was, like, a whole story. I would had to tell the whole backstory. And then tell the story, and then explain my emotional response to it, and explain why it mattered, and there was a very small chance or very small likelihood that anyone would understand it or get it or or feel i couldn't make them feel that way because it didn't happen to them right it's like when it's one of those things where it's so specific of a circumstance that like you can say wow that's touching that's moving that's powerful but you can't really empathize with it right it's like watching like a a christmas movie of like you know like what's his name like little timmy or whatever like begging for money make money for the poor sir and then ebenezer scrooge is like fuck you but then he gives him money and you're like wow that's really moving But, like, you're not either of those characters. And so it's like, it's hard to describe, but it meant a lot to me, right? And, like, it didn't mean a lot to me when I did it. But it meant a lot to me to have, uh, you know, a child come and do that, come and say that. And I don't know if. Her father was like, hey, you have I'm going to the liquor store, get in the fucking car. You have to go express your gratitude to this person. Right. Or maybe it was just happenstance because I assume he's been to the liquor store since I had since that occurred. And maybe she happened to be in the car with him. And he said, hey, the guy that gave me that snow globe for you is in there. And do you want to come in? Or she was like, can I come in? Or whatever. I don't know what led to it, right? I'm not here to judge the, the circumstance that led to it or the motive, right? But it was powerful because I love grown adults and have considered people to be my best friends and my family who are adults who wouldn't do that, right? And I've done, I've done, I've done people, I've done things for people who wouldn't do that, who say that they love me and they still wouldn't say thank you. They still wouldn't go out of their way to voice or show or display their appreciation. But not only was it a stranger, a complete stranger, it was a child. And. (laughs) <laughs> that's some moving shit right i can't explain enough but it just it it, it, made, it it renewed hope in me not just for humanity or not just for whatever it renewed hope in me that people still value even the smallest thing because that's me right like i saw myself in that kid i saw someone who I don't know their life story, right? I'm not here to assume what their life is like. I assume that they're not wealthy, right? If your father is in his late 40s, maybe in his 50s, working a blue collar job, driving a company truck, you know, wearing, you know, with calloused hands, uh, cut up hands, covered in like paint or cement or whatever, or grease, and you you know, he's not wearing flashy clothing, she's not wearing flashy clothing, she's wearing Crocs, I assume that they're not upper class. I'm not going to assume that they're impoverished, right? That's not really for me to, to say. Um, I can create like an upper threshold, I can't really create a lower threshold, but I know that these people don't have everything, Right. I know that they don't have everything. And, and the fact that he was looking for a snow globe for his daughter that was maybe a dollar, you know ninety nine cents with tax, a dollar and five cents for his daughter. and he he made it a point to voice how significant that would be to her and how significant it was to him that I even gave it to him without a thought. And then a week or two later, for them to come in and and for her to do that, when she had no reason to, right? She didn't need to thank me. Uh, he could have taken all the credit and been like, hey, I found the snow globe, which even then it was such a small thing. It's not like you're going to come into your house with like a PS5 and be a hero. I identified with that because I've been that. I have been that kid. And it reminds me of of how I value things, right? I say, you know, there's like that Bob Marley quote that I always joke with. And it's when Bob Marley is interviewing with some British reporter. He says, are, are you rich? And he said, and Bob Marley says, rich, what does that mean? He says, are, are you rich? Do you have lots of possessions? And Bob Marley says, possessions make you rich? He says, no, my riches is life forever. I identify with that, right? Because money means nothing to me. I don't give a shit about money. And I don't care about possessions, really. But I care about the thought, the principle, the effort behind it, the caring, the giving, the consideration behind it. So you don't have to give me, you don't have to spend millions of dollars or thousands of dollars or even hundreds of dollars on me. But when you take the time to understand what I love and why I love it and then put that into a gift or into something, that shows me that you care, that you love me the way that I love you. And that means a lot to me. And I've had people give me expensive gifts and I display them. They mean a lot to me. One of the best gifts I've ever received is my one for one size, my life size model of Tony Stark's arc reactor, the one that Pepper gave to Tony, the proof that Tony Stark has a heart. It's a gift for me from my friend Alex, and it's an expensive gift. It's one of the most expensive gifts I've ever received. I display it proudly, right? I even keep my father's earn his ashes in that display case. But I've also received small gifts that, you know, are mean, I don't want to say mean nothing, but are nothing. But like I've received things that didn't cost a, a dollar. And of course I haven't always appreciated those things, right? Like one year for, I think it was for Valentine's day, Ivy made me a playlist, a Day Matthews band playlist. I didn't really appreciate it in the time, right? Because I've been corrupted in my upbringing to value money. But looking back, that's one of the most thoughtful thing. Like, it's it was so easy and so simple, but yet no one else has done it. And that, that gives a value, right? It's like the ex- exclusivity and the thoughtfulness give it value. Or I have I have small gifts like just laying around the house that, you know, it's just the thought that gives it value. Like Brian and Shelby got me this Mershawm pipe. That's this like naked lady. Right. (laughs) Like this. I don't want to call her a whore, but a promiscuous woman like riding the pipe. Right. I don't I don't really smoke. I certainly don't smoke, you know, like pipe tobacco or anything like that. I don't use tobacco. But just that they knew I would appreciate that. Right. Like that's just a little thing. Um, you know, shit like that. I, I mean, people. My mom got me a, a popcorn bucket. Uh, that was the Avengers when Infinity War came out, right? Or, or she gives me magazines. Like she gave me the Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Avengers. I guess it was the Endgame cover, and or no, it was the Infinity War cover, I believe. And it was the series where they did the six original Avengers, and she got a hold of the Tony Stark cover and that's one of my prized possessions like my prized possession in my life is a scratched up beat up copy of maroon 5 songs about jane like it's one of the original prints Uh, it's an old cd that skips uh, (laughs) right and it skips on i think song number six and song number eight but that was that's like a, a possession that has no monetary value at this point that i would I would risk, you know, burning in a, in, a, in a house that's ablaze. I would risk running into a fire to save this CD, you know what I mean? And so for this kid to to come into the store, where obviously it's not an environment that kids are really welcomed in, um, and say, hey, like, I don't know if you remember, but you gave me this snow globe, and I really love it, and it meant a lot to me, and I wanted to thank you in person you know that you can't really put a price on that I mean in any sense of the word I guess it's sort of like a pun there but that was what happened to me at work today and and I was feeling like shit right like I had my booster shot a few days ago I'm really weak I'm really fatigued I'm really exhausted obviously my life is not going exactly how I would like it to or exactly how it I had intended it or planned it but you know, I was suffering, right? I'm suffering at work emotionally, mentally, and then now physically, because of dealing with, you know, recovering from this booster shop. And the highlight of my life at this point is this kid coming in and saying, Hey, like this 99 cent snow globe made my Christmas. And I didn't even think about it. And it it that's a lesson in itself, right? The sometimes the things that you do without thinking have more weight than anything that you could plan or anything that you could consider, whether for good or for bad, for better or for worse. Sometimes things that you do naturally carry the most weight. And maybe that's a judge of character, right? I guess now that I say that out loud, that's literally the definition of character. Uh, You know what I mean? I mean cuz it's like everyone, you know, it's it's sort of like what's the word like integrity or whatever. I don't I'm not here to be a dictionary. I'm just here to say that I guess theoretically or realistically that's the definition is is what you do without thinking when other people aren't looking. And I'm you know, this isn't to like toot my own horn or or you know, play my my little drummer boy. It's it's just to say that I didn't even think about it. It meant nothing to me. And it, it meant the world to someone else. And that is, is just that, I guess. Um, so I'm going to close in on halftime here. I'm, I'm recording with the anchor app right now because I didn't feel like going into GarageBand, setting up all my equipment, setting up the studio and just to get some shit out there. Uh, so I'm closing in on halftime. I'm closing in on 30 minutes. I'm at 28 minutes right now. Uh, I'm going to take a pause and then we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about tonight. Right. Um, So again, thanks for tuning in. I miss you all. I love you all so much. And hopefully you enjoy this and hopefully you're getting excited for my next big release. Uh, But yeah, I'll be right back. So peace. All right. And I'm back. So again, at this point, it's Saturday, December 18th. It's about 1230. And this morning coming up, uh, we're going to be celebrating kind of like a, a short Christmas. Uh, with Aunt Sandy. So and then I, I work, obviously. But um you know, I guess I wanna get into the night. So I got off at eight and I went home. Uh it took a dookie and I got dressed to go out, right? Uh it's Friday. It's I guess what, like the third Friday of the month. I don't know how they really do it. But Friday nights in Winchester, the place to be is fifty fifty Tap House, which is on Cork Street, across from Cork Street Tavern. And it's the place to be on Friday nights because they do drag bingo, right? So they have uh local drag queens uh come in and they do like a drag show, drag performance, and then they run like a, a small bingo game at the bar. And it's become like a almost a tradition of mine now. I love it. Uh, I go all the time. I love bingo. I'm uber competitive. I also love all women. Uh so it kind of works out. Uh, so I take a dookie and then I get dressed and I'll kind of explain what I'm wearing just because it's funny. Right. Cause I kind of wanted to stunt, not really stunt, but I wanted to look better than shit. And so I put on like my, what I call my driving shirt, which is like this, like green flannel. I don't even know. It's not even patterned. Right. But it is like a green flannel. It's like a duck hunting shirt. And then I have like the brown shirt underneath. Obviously my hair is looking fly you know what I mean? I got the long curly locks, uh, cause I washed it this morning. So my hair was looking good, looking healthy. I did shave and unfortunately, so it wasn't unfortunate in the moment, but it was unfortunate later when you see how things worked out that I have a mustache, right? I shaved my beard. I had a, a I wouldn't say fully grown beard or mustache because for some reason there's one spot that won't connect. And then it, for some reason it doesn't grow as long as I'd like, uh, which I guess I'm still growing. Right. Uh, but <laughs> I shaved off my beard and I trimmed down the mustache. So I have like a classic, like 40 year old dad mustache and the long hair. And then I'm wearing the flannel. And then I also have on my rose gold diamond tennis necklace, right? Which some of you may have seen before. Some of you probably haven't. Uh, But I'm also wearing shorts because it's kind of warm and I know that I'm going to be drinking. And so I'm going to be hot. So you can see my tattoos, which is cool because like I'm a douche. And like once you get leg tattoos, you have to show them off. And then my Crocs sandals, right? Because I can't go anywhere without the Crocs. And I go to pick up Brian and Shelby, right? So I, I hop in the whip. And I'm downtown whipping on my way to you. I pick up Brian and Shelby. We whip to the bank to get some ones, Or we don't get ones, but we get bills to break into ones to give out to the, the dance. Or I was going to call them the dancers, the performers. Uh, and then we hit the bar. So we get to the bar. And it's fucking packed. Right. I'm not really going to get into all the details, but it's fresh. So I may talk about some things I I normally wouldn't. We get to the bar. It's packed. We go outside to wait. It looked like it could have been like a uh, I don't even know what the the world would be a perpetual wait, I guess. Like there was a there was a chance that we weren't going to get a table regardless of how long we waited just because everyone was there. And we didn't know if everyone was there. Every table was full, but we didn't know if everyone was there for Drag Bingo or not. If they were, we wouldn't get a table. Um, and this, I'll just call them a beautiful gay couple. Uh, come out there! They actually come out after us, which means that they went in after us. They were behind us in line. Uh, it's two women. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, two feminine people. Let's just put it that way. I'm not here to assume genders or assume gender roles. Uh, but what appeared to be a lesbian couple. And there was one that was more masculine than the other. You know, that's just how it goes. And we got to talking and hanging out with them. And then Shelby missed the call that a table was ready. So then they called the lesbian couple. And the lesbian couple got the first table. But luckily, uh, Shelby went in there with Brian to ask if it was them that had called. They said, yeah. Uh, And there was a sort of the, the end cap of a high top that was available. So, you know, two seats, two seats facing each other and then one on the end, which I took. Um, And so we go in. But anyway, the lesbian couple, uh, just before I drop that, um, you know, obviously the the more feminine one was a gorgeous woman, absolutely beautiful woman, you know, stunning. But the masculine woman, uh, of course, they were they were around my age, right? They were younger than Brian and Shelby, likely more like my age, maybe younger than me, obviously 21, at least 21, uh, but I wouldn't say older than 26. The masculine one had short hair, short curly hair, and she was wearing more masculine clothing. She was a smoke show, right? And I don't know if this is like me or if this is like a a reflection of my taste or my desires, but she was a smoke show. And there's a joke that has circled my friend groups for a while now that I, I only date gay people, right? Whether they are you know, gay or or lesbian or bisexual or or a different sexual orientation or whatever. The joke is I only date gay people. They just happen to be women. Uh, and they happen to be dating me at the time, as if I'm I don't want to say I'm an exception, but it's it's always like there are they're interested in women and then Lance, who is very effeminate, uh, which, you know, whatever. Um, which has definitely shaped my own sexual identity, my own sexual orientation. Uh, and so on. Right. But the joke is I only date gay people and it's, it it ends up because that's just the people that I've dated. Um, but also because (laughs) I, I love masculine, uh, more dominant women. And so we get seated and I'm like, shit, like I'm hungry. Like they're hungry. Brian is out of his mind hungry. And we sit down and I notice everyone, right? I read a room quick because I went to law school. One, two, I have anxiety and three, I'm nosy as fuck. And so I read a room because I have to know all the exits. I have to know everyone in the building. And I also have an eye for beauty, right? Sort of my thing. And this is, I don't know if I'm, I might as well just say this first, get it over with, see how long it takes. I turn to my left, right? So at my nine o'clock, there's a table of women right? These are young women. They're probably, I mean, obviously everyone is over the age of 21. So when I say young, I mean younger than me, who happens to be 26, uh, which is barf, you know, but at least 21 years old, likely not 26. Uh, There's a table of probably, I think, six or seven women around that age. And um, they're all sort of edgy, right? Like, and when I say edgy, I don't mean like um, panic at the disco edgy. I mean, like, um, I don't want to say hipster either. That's not really what I'm going for. Not really the point, right? Because I'm not here to judge. It's not a judgment call of their physical appearances or their styles or their identities. It's just, an, I'm just making an observation because it's it's important to the story. So the one that has her back to me, who's on the end cap of her table, she has a beautiful short haircut, right? Again, I love short hair. She's wearing a white sweater, absolutely gorgeous, right? And has that very... I don't want to say she she's not a manic I don't know if she's manic but she's certainly a pixie dream girl, right? Uh it's not for me. I don't know her well enough or at all to make the judgment whether she's manic pixie dream girl, but she's certainly a pixie dream girl. And then I, I don't want I don't know how to lay out the table for you to understand, but um facing in the same direction that I am facing, but on the ground because their table is like a low a low top table. Um two seats down, right? So there's the young lady on the end. There's a woman, uh, a young lady sitting, you know, at a regular side of the table right next to her on her left. And then on the left of that young lady at the center of the table is the young lady that I'm talking about, the one I'm, I'm getting to. Um, and this young lady is, and of course I say this often, I mean it every time I say it, that's my problem, right? I'm like James Bond in that way. I mean it every time I say it. The most like, clearly, in that moment in time, so in this reality, in space, in time, in this moment in time, clearly the most beautiful woman on Earth. And I recognized her. Right? That's my problem. I hate going out and recognizing people because they recognize me. And and usually people don't have – usually, I rarely see people that recognize me that are, like, happy they recognize me, unfortunately. Not that people don't like me, they just don't want to interact with me in public, especially during the pandemic. Um, But I recognize this young lady and I assume that she recognized me in some degree. Uh, This, I'll describe her to you. Imagine, if you will, so she is probably five foot, five foot to five foot three, maybe a a buck thirty, probably likely less than a buck thirty. She's wearing, I couldn't see what she, I didn't look at her bottom half when she stood up because that's inappropriate. Uh, But I can tell that her blouse is black. She's wearing a black blouse. Um, And she's, she's a brunette. She has darker hair. Uh, It was like shoulder length. And she had like a little bun, which I don't know. I doubt her hair was any longer than shoulder length, but it was in like a small bun, but it was also like kind of draped down her shoulders as well. Um, As for her face, this is, see, this is the thing. The only person I can compare this to is the one person I shouldn't compare this to because that's going to give it away. Right. I, ha- I do. I wouldn't say I have a type, but I have different types for different things. Everyone does. Uh, but I do certainly have a type uh, for women that I fall in love with at first sight. She looks a lot like Ivy. A lot and if you ask Shelby if you call up Shelby like if this was like a radio show and I had like a hotline and I could call Shelby to ask she looks a lot like I and, and by that I mean she's you know paler um I don't want to say like a like a rounded rectangular face uh I feel like oblong would probably be the way to describe that but that's not fair just her facial structure is very similar but instead of having uh, you know, the light eyes and, and light colored uh, facial, I don't want to say facial hair, but like eyebrows or whatnot, it, it, darker features, right? So like pale skin, but darker features, dark eyes. Um, she looks a lot like Ivy. And I recognize this young lady because I had seen her on dating apps before, right? And of course, this is like, oh, uh, I'm sure that there is a communal groan. In the audience right now, right? It's like it's like Joe Dirt, and Joe Dirt is talking about how he fucked his sister, and everyone's like, Ugh, "Like that's what this is, right?" Like everything about this, uh, the last eleven minutes and thirty six seconds, DMB that I have shared with you, everyone's probably groaning. But there's a point to the story, and um, I recognize this this young lady from dating apps. Uh, most notably was uh, I think it was Bumble. I'm pretty sure it was Bumble. She's she seemed like she was a little too um too valued uh like too well valued for <laughs> tinder um I recognize this young lady and her name is I don't know if I should say her her name I don't know her last name at all but I know her first name um and it is I'm just gonna say it. her name's Suki right her name is Suki and it's a very unique name um it's also the name of two very attractive fictional characters one is Suki is the key, leader of the Kiyoshi Warriors. In the Avatar The Last Airbender series, who ends up being Sokka, Sokka is Katara's brother, um, Aang's brother-in-law, Sokka's wife. So Suki is the leader of the Kyoshi Warriors, obviously I love the Kyoshi makeup, um, and she is you know, one of the main characters of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. Suki is also the name of Devin Aoki's character in Too Fast, Too Furious, right? In the beginning, in the first race in Too Fast, Too Furious, where they call Brian O'Connor and he is like, I could use the cash, be there in two minutes. And he shows up in his sick um, R34 Nissan Skyline, right? Like the beast, the most recognizable car in the world because of that movie. And that he races and Suki is in the, I think it's, I don't know what year. I think it was like a 1999 Honda 2000. And it's the same car that Johnny Tran drove in the first Fast and Furious movie. They just changed the paint job and took the roof off. But it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a 99 Honda 2000 and it's the pink. It has the pink lady on the side. That's Suki. It's played by Devin Aoki, who is uh, Steve Aoki's, I think half sister. Uh, They, Aoki's started and owned P.F. Chang's, right? And he is a famous musician, famous DJ. She's a famous model that became an actress for a short period. Uh, Her name was Suki. And so I recognize the name, one, because it's two characters that I think are very attractive. uh, And also because it's an extremely unique name. And I recognize her. And I don't know. We never made eye contact, right? Like, uh, throughout the night. We didn't make eye contact, but... I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm hard to miss, right? Not only because of my size and my stature, but because of I fill a room, right? I My personality fills a room, even a room that is uh, as packed and as loud and exciting as a bar with drag queens and bingo going on. I can still fill a room. And didn't and, and you know obviously i'm sitting like you know maybe 10 feet from this girl uh and you can hear me laugh and you can hear me say all these things and and obviously i'm having a, a you know eat drink and be merry type of time and um i tell this story to shelby right because brian is busy uh he's brian is busy in his own mind and i tell shelby i said shelby i'm gonna tell you the story so you see this girl that's at my nine o'clock she's about 10 feet away um <laughs> At my nine o'clock, six, <laughs> I call her uh, ten clicks away. Um, is this girl that I had seen on on uh, dating apps? Her name is Suki. I think she's you know one of the most beautiful women in the world. Certainly one of the most beautiful women that I've ever seen. And we didn't match on on the dating app. Right now, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna make any assumptions. I you know I'm not gonna say that we never would have matched. You know, there's no way of, of me knowing if she had ever seen my account because. Oftentimes when I was on dating apps, I would get like this like gross feeling of like, oh, like this is this isn't gonna work. Not only is this not gonna work, but this is also really devaluing me. And so I would oftentimes delete my account within 48 hours of creating it. So I would, you know, create my account, swipe as many times as possible, um, maybe get some matches, maybe start a few conversations, and then I'd just feel gross and I'd feel like oh, there's no way I'm finding love here. Um, like no love exists here. So I'm, you know, leaving. And so there's no way of me saying that we never would have matched, but we certainly did not match in the one or two times that I created an account and she was still on there, which, you know, maybe that's a good sign. Um, (laughs) not, not for her, but for me. And, you know, but I, there's also the potential that I'm ugly, right? Which I am, I'm willing to accept. Uh, I know what I look like. I know what other people look like. I don't look like other people. Um, I could see. I can. I can accept the reality that I am unattractive. Um, and maybe I'm unattractive objectively, or maybe just in her case, I am subjectively <laughs> unattractive to her. Uh, but we didn't match, right? And we didn't have a conversation. Now I. Um, you know, did reach out to her, try to reach out to her, uh, and message her on social media, um, through her Instagram account. I think it was through her Instagram or through her linked Facebook and be like, Hey, like, I think it's, it had to be Bumble because obviously I can't message someone on Bumble. Women have to message first. Uh, and I was like, Hey, you know, I saw your username. I saw whatever. um, And I just wanted to say that I think you're absolutely stunning, like drop dead gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like you are just extraordinarily attractive, one of, if not the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. Truly drop dead gorgeous. Right. You know, aside from the fact that you look similar to someone that I have been in love with, you objectively take all that aside, all that, you know, somewhere else, objectively you are. Stunning. You are ravishing. You are drop dead gorgeous. Um, and take without what you will. Uh, and obviously there was no communication there, right? So I've never talked to this person ever. A few weeks ago, when I was working in Berryville and I was closing at the Berryville store, a young lady came in that I actually uh, was I, I mistook, or was mistaken for, this young lady, right? So this young lady, uh, Suki, I had seen a young lady who came into the Berryville store who I had mistaken for her, and it was not her. And I, I know that now because, just because, like, you know what I mean? I was like, hey, you look a lot like this woman that I saw on, on dating apps. Then I realized it wasn't her, and then I saw the real one tonight. Um, Anyway, so we have a dinner. You know, we have dinner. We have some drinks. um, We enjoy some drag queens. We enjoy some bingo. And Brian is feeling under the weather, and so he steps outside. Shelby steps outside with him you know, they want to leave and she comes in and she's like, well, I'm going to pay and we're going to head out. And I was like, well, okay. I could tell she had some sort of ride sharing app on her phone open, like a map. It looked like Uber or I can't think of what the other ones are fucking God. You know what I mean? Uh, it had like Uber on her phone. Um, and I was like, listen, like I'm fine. Like I drove, like I'll, I'll drive you home. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not, Some of our other uh, acquaintances, you know, I'll drive you home. She's like, you know, and she knows she Shelby and of course, Brian, too. But Brian wasn't really Brian wasn't in his right mind. But Shelby is similar to me in that she knows what that meant to me. Right. Or, Or I know what that meant to her or vice versa. Whereas we both saw the sacrifice. Right. We both saw the sacrifice play that had to occur and it was about to occur. And she didn't want me to make the... It's not that she didn't want me to make the sacrifice play. She didn't want the sacrifice play to... The cost to outweigh the benefit. And in my mind, I was already weighing the cost and benefits. (laughs) That's how well they know me, is that she knew that I was weighing the cost and benefits of making the sacrifice play, making the right move. Um, And she didn't want me to do it if I viewed it, if I didn't think that the benefits outweighed the costs. And here's the cost benefit analysis, right? Like, we've already played like four games of bingo or three games of bingo. I haven't won. I likely won't win because it's a packed house. And because bingo is a game of chance and not skill, even though I say that it's a game of skill. Also, we've seen a number of drag shows, including one that was absolutely outstanding. We've seen probably the best drag show of the night. I've had a great meal. I've had a few drinks that I've enjoyed over the last few hours. Uh, and the main the main weight here the main uh cost benefit that i was weighing was being in the same public space as this person that i found to be astonishingly attractive this person that that i was undeniably ridiculously attracted to who i had tried to initiate a conversation with in the past right that was the cost benefit analysis there she knew that too right like shelby knows me well enough Um, I don't know if Brian would have assumed that, but he would have logically gotten to it. And so I had to weigh it and I was like, well, what are the chances of this? What are the chances of anything better than me leaving with my two best friends occurring? What's the chance that anything better than that will occur? And in my mind, what would be better than that? Like somehow I magically gain the balls or the gall, or the cojones, to go speak to this girl that I'm madly in love with at first sight and say, hey, obviously I'm not going to bring up the other thing, even though I probably would, I probably shouldn't, or I probably shouldn't have if I had done it. I'd be like, hey, and and I hit women with this line a few times, right? It's It's not a line because I mean it. But I'm like, miss, you are undeniably, you know, outstandingly, gorgeous. You are you are without a doubt the most beautiful woman on this earth at this moment. Right? And of course she's at a table with like six other women our age and there's like some I wouldn't say there's like a study, right? It's not like a professional study, like a scientific study um that that's a that's a risky but that's also a good move, right? Um to not go up to a table of beautiful women and try to give attention to all of them because they read right through that. You're not there for a particular person or develop a particular relationship or a a particular rapport. You're there to sort of throw out a net and, and reel it in and pull it in and see how many fish you can catch or if you catch any. Whereas if you go into a table filled with beautiful women and you already know the one you want, that's going in with a fishing line and bait in the right bait and trying to reel in that one fish. And if you fail, you fail. You're not going to get a chance at the other ones because you knew what you wanted. You didn't want the other ones anyway. Whereas if you just go in and say, Hey, look at all these beautiful women that's throwing a net out there and they're probably going to see that coming. Um, so there's some, you know, there's some discourse on that uh, on social media. Uh, and so that, you know, was probably a risky move, but also there's the idea that if you go to interact with a woman that you find attractive in a public space, and she is, well, obviously you don't want anyone to be uncomfortable, right? That's like the key here, right? I'm assuming, the assumption, the underlying assumption is that we are comfortable publicly with these interactions. But if they're not interested, the group of six other women can easily formulate some sort of out, right? Can easily formulate some sort of excuse or some sort of of way or so even just be rude right like one woman could who has no sense of uh reading a room could just be rude and say she's not interested or she you know she could just speak for and be like she's not interested she you know please go somewhere else don't come over here with that and and you know that that does happen often to a lot of people not it's never happened to me um but it has (laughs) happened to a lot of people right And i've seen in movies all the time Um, and then at that time, then maybe if she was interested, but her friends are just naturally defensive, she would say, Hey, like, well, you know, be nice, whatever, be nice, bitch. You know, I don't know, but you know what I mean? It would, it would take her to say, Hey, maybe she is interested. Her friend is just naturally defensive, but you know, there, it could be one naturally defensive individual, or it could be a group that's playing group defense, right? They're playing triangle defense and they box me out. And that's great. You know, that's great. Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, you know, Dennis Rodman. You box me out. Um, that's fine. But I'm Bill Lambeer. You know what I mean? I'm a big guy. I'm a big white guy. I'm Bill Lambeer. I'll step in there and I'll go for the basket anyway. Uh, and I fail. But, you know, whatever. And so I, I had to weigh that. Like, would that happen? Would I develop the gall, the confidence to go up, not only just to this woman that I think is absolutely ravishing and absolutely breathtaking. You know what I mean? Like this, this woman could make the moon go down. She's so beautiful. And she would take the moon's, you know, place. But not only go up to her and say, hey, like, hi, would would be like, you know, hey, and you know, like Miles Morales. Uh, But to do that in obviously in front of a packed bar, but at a table of other peer, of my peers, her peers and women who would be scoring me, essentially, right? Like, people don't score others, but theoretically they're saying, well, is his approach good enough to warrant allowing the conversation to commence? Or is it not? Or is she does she not want to be approached at all, and it doesn't matter how good his approach is, we're shutting it down. You know what I mean? We're boxing him out. So I didn't, right? Because I have no confidence in myself. I don't think that I'm physically attractive, uh, as I just said. I don't think I'm physically attractive, or at least I don't think I'm physically attractive enough to approach a woman who I think is an undeniable ten uh, at a table of a lot of tens, a lot of fair tens, a lot of certain nines. Uh, not that we should rate people, but I'm just saying that you know I think that you know subjectively, my opinion, this woman was absolutely gorgeous. But I don't have the confidence to not only speak to this woman that I think is absolutely gorgeous, but do so in the risk of embarrassment and rejection in front of a table of, of women that I also think are beautiful. Um, not that I was interested in them at all. I was not, you know, I only had my eyes on one person. And so I said I wouldn't do it. And I ended up, you know, I paid my bill. Um, the bill was 36 bucks because everything is 36 in my life. I'm at 27 minutes right now, which is a, a D&B song. But it was 36 bucks. Uh, I paid that with my card and then I gave the guy a $20 bill for his good service. And then we left and I took Brian and Shelby home and I was like, well, I better get this out on the airwaves. Um, but yeah, I didn't say anything, right? That was the cost benefit analysis. I didn't think, I assumed that I would receive rejection either by the individual or by the collective. And I didn't see enough of a chance of success to warrant risking or losing the positive that I had in my hand of taking my best friends home and making sure they got home safely for free. Uh, I thought that their safety, their security uh, what meant more than the slim chance that maybe what's the, what's the best that could happen in this. I get her phone number. You know what I mean? It's not like she was going to be like, oh my God, you're so sweet and funny and charismatic. I can't believe you came up to my table. Let's go to the bathroom and make love right now. You know what I mean? That wasn't going to happen. Like with the best, best case scenario, I get her phone number and who knows where it goes from there, right? She could just give me her phone number or give me a fake phone number. I don't have enough confidence in myself to say that that risk had enough reward. So I didn't do it. And, you know, is there a little sense of regret? I wouldn't call it regret, right? I made the right decision. I made the right decision for myself and also for my friends who I love. But, you know, there's the idea that what could have been, right? What could have been? And that that's sort of what I get hung up on, I guess, is what could have been. And, you know, I, um, I'll acknowledge that some of the things I may have said in that last segment, you know, were, I don't want to say misogynistic, right? But perhaps a little misogynistic. Um, because I feel like the, even if you're a, a woman or like a, a cis hetero, you know, a signed up, signed birth female, and you're describing the situation that I just described, but it could, you know, genders were swapped or roles were were reversed or, you know, whatever. There's no way to describe that scenario without some sort of judgment, right? Some sort of basic judgment and also some sort of. Just basic misogynistic behavior, you know, in in that sense, it, it could be a woman who was speaking misogynistically in that regard just because of of how the interactions work. Right. There's that natural imbalance uh, there. So I'll, I'll acknowledge that. Right. Like some of those things I said, like, you know, obviously I don't run around judging people on a 10 point scale. Uh, I don't, you know, weigh the likelihood that a group of beautiful women are going to be naughty or nice <laughs> or like, you know what I mean, but like rude or, or, or accepting. I'm not going to say that, you know, every person should deserve uh, or be given a chance just because of their approach. You know what I mean? Like, I obviously acknowledge anyone who knows me knows that, that, that that's not how I feel. I just wanted to get that out there that I, it's hard. It's difficult to talk about. Interacting with a, a stranger of the opposite sex that you're interested in, in that way, uh, in the public, while describing the environment and the scenario upon which you're in, without some sort of assumptions, right? Just because that's all you have to work on. If I, if the only way for me to not make an assumption about that person or that situation is for me to already be dating that person. That's just how it works, right? The only way to know or to say the right thing and use the right phrases or discuss things in the right way that is appropriate for them or to them is to be dating that person and know them intimately. But, um, I will say that I, you know, I wasn't just interested in this young lady because she was beautiful or because I thought she resembled someone that I had been in love with uh, at the time that I had seen her on social or uh, on dating apps, right? The reason I was interested in this woman, aside from the fact that she was, you know, without a doubt, undeniably, you know, ravishing, strikingly beautiful, you know, like, pay me like one of your French girls, beautiful, you know what I mean? Like, truly, like, the sun shines a little less when she's around because she can outshine the sun type beautiful is because of what was on her her uh, page, right? Like her account, I don't, what, what's it called? Like your profile, you know? And you're like, Lance, how do you remember these things? Like, you're so creepy, you're such a stalker. And it's like, okay, one, I haven't seen this in months, right, so there's no way that I'm gonna, this is going to be completely accurate, and there's no way in hell that it's accurate now. Um, because who knows, dude? She could've just been on there interested in men, she could've been interested in men and interested in women. And any of those women could have been her significant other, right? I don't know. Again, these are all assumptions. Uh, I'm assuming, based off my prior knowledge, the last time that I had a knowledge point or an information point, data point, she may still be single, right? And she was out with friends. But, I, you know, again, any of those women could have been her her partner. But on her page... She was adventurous, she was outgoing, she was into nature, into the outdoors, into experiencing new things, right, and experiences are so important to me, right, like, like possessions don't make you rich, you know, my life, riches is life forever, you know, life makes you rich, experiences make you rich, and... You know, she was adventurous. She had this this outgoing spirit. It looked like she had that get in the car attitude. That's like that. That's what I look for in a, in a significant other, right? Is that sort of get in the car from Transformers? You're willing to to jump. Um, you're willing to just do it because it feels good. And, and that's one of the pillars of uh, Burning Man, right? Is the immediacy. Uh, and you know, not not just that, but she had uh, you know photographs of her and with different hairstyles. Um, mostly short, right? And I thought that was interesting. I feel like that shows uh, when you see someone who has you know five or six different photos, and you have different hairstyles and different hair lengths in each photo. You know those frat boys are gonna be like, "That's a red flag. That's a red flag. Flag on the play." But for me, it shows that that person has been through a lot, right? Because your physical appearance, in particular, the things that you control of your physical appearance, such as your hair or your hair color, your hair length, your hairstyle, or whatever, or the makeup you wear, the different styles of makeup you wear, reflect your mental health, your emotional health, and where you are spiritually in life at that time. Your appearance reflects where you are in life. And to see that in such a short period of time, a relative, I should say relatively short period of time, she had experienced so much change in her physical appearance, that tells me that she'd been through a lot. Right, she whether it be good or bad, she had been through something, been through a lot, and that showed life experience. That showed you know experiences that she could share with me, or share with a partner, or share with anyone. Um, which life experience like that shows character development, or at least opportunity for growth. And the fact that she changed her physical appearance shows that she did develop from it. Right, she did grow from it. She did get something from her life experiences, and that's reflected in her appearance. So not just that, she also had photos uh, with her parents, or at least with her mother, right? And I remember this because I was like, "Wow, this woman is also gorgeous." Like I see where she gets it from. But that—that's something that is important to me because of my poor experiences with in-laws or in-laws. You know, I'm not married, but like the parents, particularly the mothers of women that I've dated, I've had poor experiences with them, right? Um, it's like uh, you know, the bears and the porridge, and it's too hot or it's too cold. I haven't found the just right. Um but I value that. And I also have, you know, di- a difficult relationship with my own mother, with my own parents, you know, rest in peace. Um and so to see someone who is so close and idolizes, reveres, respects, cherishes their mother, that shows me that they can can feel that way, can experience those feelings towards someone, especially someone important to them. But one, that shows me that, hey, maybe this woman is so great that I'll feel the same way, and maybe she's is not only willing to accept that love uh, from her daughter or from others, but she's willing to give that love in return. She's willing to reciprocate, and maybe I could have that with, with that significant other's parent in the future, right? That's sort of like you're lo- you're looking at You're putting yourself into it and seeing how it could play out. Say, well, if she loves her mother this much and her mother loves her this much, maybe I could have that too one day. Right. And hopefully you do. All right. That's what you hope for. Um, But also it's not only is it from the the mother's point of view, but also from the daughter is like, well, she's willing to experience love and is so proud and cherishes that love. She must love other people that way as well. And she could potentially love me that way and show me off in that way. Be proud of, of be proud of of me. Be proud of having me be proud of loving me and be proud of being loved by me in that same way. And that's attractive, right? That's something I want. That's something that these are things that I gather from photographs. Um, You know, and, and it's just, you see all these things and you see, you know, different ways that, that she dressed or different people that she was with or different settings. And you see that she's an extremely complex individual just from these photographs, right there. I don't think there was a single photograph of her with like sorority sisters or not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously. uh, But like, I don't think she has any paid friends. She doesn't seem like the type that would pay for friends. She seems very genuine, but also very exciting. You know what I mean? Very dynamic. And she does a lot of things and experiences a lot of things and feels a lot of things. And it sounds like I'm describing myself, right? And that's what I look for is, is someone that I can identify with. And so it's not just that I saw this this girl on a dating app and thought, wow, she's hot. I'm going to swipe right, right? I've done that plenty of times in dating apps and in real life. It, I don't end up dating those women, right? I don't. That's not how it works. Those, that's not That's too superficial for me. That's not enough. This modern love is not enough. And so when I see this person who obviously... Is my type physically right? Like I don't—I doubt that I'm her type physically, obviously, because I'm ugly. But she's my type physically. She's absolutely gorgeous. She takes my breath away. Um, like I could cry. She's so beautiful, and she like a like a cool glass of water after roaming the desert for forty years. But she also—it's not just how she looks in the photographs—is what the photographs represent, because that's what a dating profile should be. Your photographs should represent your life so that you get an idea of, would you be interested in this person and she shows so much character and so much variability but also consistency just a, dy- a dynamic and beautiful life and i was like wow this person is someone that even if i don't have the privilege of dating or the honor of being in a relationship with let like let alone ever touch this person right like let alone ever physically touch this person but even if I don't have the privilege of even taking this person out to dinner right like take me out to dinner you know what I mean like the TikTok I would just like to know this person like this person is so interesting and so beautiful in photographs her life she's beautiful but the most important thing is her life is beautiful I was like well I want to know this person I got to know this person that's why I reached out to her outside of the dating apps uh, on social media is because I was like, well, I, you know, regardless of the outcome, I have plenty of friends that were women that I have been interested in romantically that didn't work out. And they're my best friends. And I still think that they're the most beautiful creatures on earth, but I don't look at them the same way, right? Because, you know, I'm very in tune with, with what love is, what love means, what love means to me. And I can separate those things. But I'm just saying that. I just would want this woman in my life in some way, in any way, just because of the value that I think that she brings to life because of the value she derives from life. And so, yeah, when I saw her in person today and see this person, see this individual in person for the first time, it was breathtaking, right? It's like seeing the Mona Lisa for the first time after you see it in textbooks or on TV or online for your entire life and you go to the Louvre and you see the mona lisa for the first time it's like wow like you know i i don't that's probably there's probably better paintings or better examples um like seeing starry night maybe for the first time would probably be better she see more like a starry night type of girl um or like one of uh van gogh's like fields of sunflowers uh but you know it was it was breathtaking in the moment it was a beautiful moment in my life just to see this person in real life to know that they're real because that's a lot of my my lack of confidence, not just because of my physical appearance or because of you know trauma, mental health, but I lack confidence because I I lack the belief. I don't believe that things are real or that they're possible. I don't believe, you know, I I doubt whether certain unconditional love is real or true or possible. I doubt that you know perfection is possible, but I see someone who looks and appears as close to perfection as you can get. And I say, well, there there it is. And I know that, I'm sure lots of people are groaning, I know that Alex Pooner is probably like, how can Lance fall in love, completely, totally, really, like truly fall in love with someone at first sight? And I think that me describing what I gather from that first sight is is explanation enough. It's hard to believe it, right? Like it's hard to believe that someone falls in love at first sight, or someone you know can feel this way, not knowing this person at all. But when you read, when you can read people and you can understand people, and you've you've lived enough that you know what things are, where they come from, it's not re- it's not truly falling in love at first sight. You know what I mean? It's it's falling in love at first presence, maybe, but it's not first sight. Because I've seen so many lives and so many lifetimes in the eyes of so many people. So that's that. So if anyone knows Suki, right? Like if anyone in, in Winchester, Frederick County, Northern Virginia knows Suki, like maybe tell her about this episode. Maybe send her a link to Late Nights with Lance. Uh, but don't make it seem creepy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty, much, that's pretty much my night. So I came home and I, I hopped on the mic. Uh, to drop this. So, again, I'm working on a, a longer podcast series, um, the Pittsburgh saga. I don't know what it's going to be called, but it's you know my my November, my December, my catch up. But yeah, uh, if I don't release that before Christmas, which I don't know if I will, I just want to wish everyone listening a a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, Happy Festivus. You know what I mean. Uh, just to everyone. And I just want to share my love and appreciation, uh, for sticking around, for not only being an audience and being listeners, but being active listeners and active participants in my life. Uh, I truly love y'all with all my heart. I love, I love you all more than I love this person that I've never met and only seen in person once. Right. Just know that, right. Like I love you more than I love Suki. (laughs) Just, I just want to make that clear. Uh, but that doesn't mean that my feelings for anyone else are, are, invalid or not real. So again, thanks for tuning in. I love y'all dearly. Uh hopefully I'll, I'll get back on the air soon. Uh thanks for listening. This has been another humble, kind of humble, awkward, a little weird episode of Late Nights with Lance about a pretty good day. So um again, I don't I feel like I should have a tagline. Um, listen to the song uh, until the end of the world by U2. But there's a version, a cover of it by Matt Nathanson, who did the song Come On, Get Higher. So listen to Until the End of the World by U2 slash Matt Nathanson. That's my recommendation. And thanks for tuning in. I love you all so much. Peace. I'm out of here.